Welcome to the mysterious and enchanting world of magic. This is not your typical podcast. This is a podcast that delves deep into the darker side of the art. We venture into the shadowy corners of the magical world and may encounter some things that are best left unseen. So turn down the lights, light some candles, and join us as we explore the spellbinding world of witchcraft. This is Untold Magic. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we are speaking with someone that I really respect, and I have read a lot of their content, taken a ton of their classes. Um, please introduce yourself and like what what you do. My name is Alexis Adelondo. Uh, I am the other half of City Alchemist. I run it with my uh, business associate, Eric Labrado. And we started City Alchemist, a uh, pandemic hit. And um, during that time, we wrote two books, Magia Magia and Blood of Brujeria. And then um, recently, I've started an online school specifically for Brujeria, Curanderismo, um, Necromancy, things like that, uh, specifically uh, uh, Academy of Latin Folk Magic. Well, I don't know if you're aware, but we have a local book club and both of your books have been featured as books. So everybody and their mom in town has read them. Super fun. So informative. Would you like, I guess, kind of describe like how you got started? Like where, where, where did you begin? Sure. So when I was very young, I grew up in a very small town called Hebronville, Texas, which is really close to, um, and it's like an hour away from Laredo, which is where I was born actually. And um, growing up in a small town in 1980s, it was, for some reason, like, you know, there was not a lot to do. <laughs> There's only just like, you know, the, the old school country type thing, right? Where we just like go into old houses and old buildings and tell ghost stories. Just get in trouble. Like that. But I was very, um, yeah, I was very enamored with um, not just ghost stories, but stories about witches, witchcraft, things like that. And I was always very um into these stories but one of the ones in particular that would always come up because we were literally 30 miles away Lero of Falcurias or Los Olmos Texas which is now pretty much modern day Falcurias and um hearing these stories as a kid I was just like always enamored by ghosts witches witchcraft brujeria all these stories about lechuza uh and when I got into junior high school I went from you know the elementary school library all these stories about witches and folklore to junior high school, there were these books on actual witches, and I learned about people like Sybil Leake and um, Alexanders and all these, you know, famous uh, witch witches that were like actually practicing witches. And I was like, oh, witches are real, <laughs> you know? Like I had no idea. And then um, that's when I started to learn more about working with brujeria, working with tarot. Uh, I got my first tarot, I think, when I was like twelve years old. Um, and then uh, found out about a local bruja in town, um, Doña Maria Deli, which we actually wrote about in the Blood of Brujeria book. She's the story about the lady sitting in front of the church, uh, front, front pew of the church, because that's what she did every Sunday. Because we would go to church every Sunday. And that's what she did. She would sit in that front pew. And for the longest time, I had no idea who she was. Big old sign in Spanish that said, um, like, uh, Mary shop, I believe it was the name of the, her, it said Mary shop, and it said, um, curaciones, hierbas, uh, you know, it had like all the things specifically for working brujeria, working your city, and that's how I found out that she actually was a, a curandera and a, a bruja, 
Um, she didn't really advertise her brujería, but everybody knew about her brujería. Um, I even did. I even found out stories about her brujería like way lot, long after the fact, like literally a few years ago, because she's been she's been gone for many many years. Um, but then when I was in high school, you know, I kind of met my my tribe of like witches and people that practice witchcraft and were interested in the occult, and we ended up coming across another bruja, uh, bruja Lorraine, who we credit in both of the books as well, and. She was the one that started teaching me like early on brujería, like things to to uh, do love spells with, how to curse people, to how to hurt people. Um, she taught me some pretty interesting stuff. And then as you know, my education progressed, like going to college and things like that, everything continued. And, and I would worry, learn more about Don um, Berrito and working with Curanderismo. And eventually I'd find teachers in uh, Santa Muerte uh, as well. So it just kind of progressed and progressed and progressed until here I am today. <laughs> yes, here you are today teaching others this wealth of knowledge that you have accumulated. I love that. It's something that you've been into since you were really young, because I think most of us kind of feel that way. It's just like you're always drawn to it. Then you figure out, oh, I can be in these stories. It's so neat. Yeah, I started being a kid and like gathering leaves and things and like burning them and making things you know and and not knowing what i was doing but like i knew what i was doing it's just really strange no same like most of my learning has been self-taught and as i've been meeting more and more people who are like more educated right i'm actually learning that a lot of the stuff that i've been doing is like actually real stuff and it's not just stuff that i made up so i think that's really interesting when people say like like that like you know i was doing this and then like it was a thing so it's just, I don't know. I, one thing I love about this podcast is there's so many strings of connection. And that's what I love about talking to different types of people. Cause it's like in each practice, there's like always this little string of connection like that. Yeah, for sure. So growing up in a small town, how was that for you? Like, were there any obstacles? I mean, obviously everybody has obstacles, right? But like, how was that for you? Um, I mean, I would say it was, it was more of a blessing than I think you know, from 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 meeting people like in college and meeting people who grew up in in cities and and they have very different perspectives, I feel like for somebody like me who practices brujería and hechicería and and curanderismo, it it made a lot of sense for me to grow up in the small town because a big part of working these traditions is understanding the culture and growing up in this type of culture, you understand these things, you understand the purpose of an amare, the purpose of uh, working with with curanderismo and why it's necessary because most people who would grow up maybe like in the city and were surrounded by that fast-paced quick environment it's just a fast quick simple easy cure right like oh, okay uh, i have issues i'm going to go see a doctor and i'm done but in in our town you know there are people that can't afford to see a doctor there are people that um, are so used to the idea of seeing a curandero or a curandera I just still remember being, you know, a kid and getting sick and my mom calling the curandera to come to the house to do the limpia con huevo and then putting the egg under my bed and then the next morning checking to see if it was a evil eye or not, you know. Um, she could have just like taken me to the doctor and everything would have been fine, you know, but she wanted to make sure it wasn't something spiritual. It wasn't a spiritual sickness because it happened so quickly, you know. There are times even where my brother had dealt with some susto where he had to go see the local curandero in, in Heavenville, uh, who who's a, so, a sobador and did like the, the massage work on him, uh, you know, so things like that. 
he's he you know we we have a cultural understanding of these types of curaciones and these types of workings and i feel like growing up in a small town is a big part of that uh i also just really loved you know I love nature. I love um, I love adventures, you know, and these are things that you can do in a small town. Um, I don't know about you know city life because I didn't grow up in a city, but like being able to go into the woods like whenever you wanted to and like your parents didn't care, you know, you're just like be back by dinner, you know. So you'd go out into the woods and you'd go like exploring old buildings and we'd be in like uh, right where I used to live growing up, there were the oldest houses in Heavenville. They're still there. They're, um, some of them have fallen down, but they're these old, creepy-looking houses. And we would all talk about the the haunted um, nunnery that's literally right down the street from my old house. Uh, and we would, like, go in like that. Um, you know, that's just, that's how I grew up. I grew up with, like, those, living those stories, in a sense. Like, you kind of become part of them, you know? Even... Um, you know, when, when I work, I work with an IOL podcast and I talked about, you know, my, my personal ghost story was growing up in this town because every like block, there's some story about some house that's haunted or there's something around, you know, uh, college for priests uh, at the Catholic church. Like there's secret rooms and like, like hidden hallways and things that we would find going to like CCD, which is like after school Catholic school, basically. You go to school and then you go to CCD and you're like, church for like three hours. Just can't get enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's something that, you know, your parents make you do. It's, just, it's, 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 you do it so that you can get confession eventually and get um, all that set up recently and you receive everything. Yeah. We would go like, you know, they'd be like, hey, go play outside. And we'd be like playing inside looking for the secret hallways and stuff. That's really cool. Here. Um, so growing up, when I went to school across the street, we had, it used to be, a mental hospital and um I remember there's actually a video on YouTube where like these kids went in these like high schoolers went in and they were like recording all this crazy stuff like stuff was moving and they were like messing with the ghosts like taunting them or whatever and it's crazy because the video is on YouTube and I've looked at it and I'm like bro this is crazy but it was so interesting because it was like right in my neighborhood like in the middle of all these houses like so random and they finally tore it down um, but that lot, it's just been empty ever since. But it's just funny because even though like technically like Corpus is like a city, right? There was still like a lot of that where we would just be like roaming around, doing things, getting into trouble. Like, <laughs> so I love that. Um, not so much the woods because we don't really have that many, that much woods around here. But just doing, doing bad things. Are there like any common misconceptions that you see online, like in regards to not just like Brujeria and Corinderismo, but even like the paranormal stuff, since you're kind of, I feel like that might be like your, your special interest. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions about everything, you know, for example, people think that um, Echiceria is Brujeria in the sense that like, they're like, oh, I'm doing some Brujeria and they're just lighting a bunch of candles and I'm like, well, well, technically, that's not Brujeria, that's Echiceria, because Echiceria is working with things like candles and working with things like um, um, certain days of the week and uh, the energies of those. Brujeria is a little bit more raw. Um, it's a little more um, intense. You know, it requires things like animal parts and bones and um, earth, earthly-based things, you know. And most of the time, Brujeria is done specifically for malintention, right? So it's like to, to hurt somebody or to 
um, remove someone forcibly or, um, you know, even amadas, like real amadas are considered brujeria because it's forcefully making somebody love you. And it's an obsession type love. It's not just like a, oh, yeah, we're going to be together forever. It's like, I can't, I can't live without you, that, that kind of thing. I think people also view um, curanderismo kind of with a misconception as well, because nowadays, especially there, there's, there's a big movement to try to get the health community. And so it's become like this, like, oh, look, it's all, it's all non-spiritual. It's just the use of herbs and the use of plants. But the truth is, where I grew up, at least the, the folk curanderismo, as I like to call it, is very much a spiritual practice and requires the use of saints it requires the the workings of of, of spirit and um and guides as well even and so there is a spiritual aspect to it that i feel like has been kind of removed um as for paranormal you know it's funny because so stephen blue who runs the night all podcast with myself he grew up in a small town in texas as well smaller than mine like way smaller than mine and he grew up you know with his hispanic family he's half hispanic um and so we really bonded in college when we met in Corpus Christi, actually, where we went in college, um, because he had like the same stories I had. He knew the same stories of the Lechusa and La Llorona and all those things. And so we were able to kind of like bond on these folk legends, essentially. But I feel like um, growing up again, that idea of that culture, that small town, those stories are everywhere. Like there are neighborhoods that are famous for their ghost stories. There are neighborhoods that are famous for brujas and lechuzas and things like that. Um, there's even an area in my hometown where they're like, oh, yeah, people see like UFOs all the time. And for the longest time, I called shenanigans because I never believed that until I actually saw one myself. And I was like, oh, OK, I can't explain that, you know, and then please, please tell happens, me this, this you know. UFO story. I, I need to hear it. I'm sorry. OK, it's actually really funny. So um I used to work at a, a pizza inn in high school. Uh, it was actually run by my uncle. So um, almost everybody worked there. All my cousins worked there. And there was this one guy that worked there, Freddie, who did not believe in anything, didn't believe in ghosts, didn't believe in, you know, monsters, UFOs, nothing. But what was funny is I actually had like two experiences with him. Uh, one was at the store itself. The Fandango's uh, Pizza Inn place was actually haunted. It was an old house that had been converted into a convenience store. And so um, there was a time where we were just like talking and I like stepped away. And when I turned around, I was about to say something and we heard somebody speaking, but it was weird. It sounded like they were trying to talk and then it trailed off. So it was like, do you like that kind of thing? And he looked right at me and said, what? And I said, what? And like at the same time, and he was like, that wasn't you? And I'm like, no, you saw my mouth. It wasn't moving. Like, I thought that was you. And he goes, no. And then my uncle comes out and he's like, oh, yeah, you should be here like six in the morning when I get here. Like, you hear all kinds of stuff. And we, there was nobody else in the store. So he was like, okay, that was weird. He couldn't, like, place it, you know. Um, but then we were, you know, in, in small towns, there's not much to do. So you just cruise. You get in a car and you waste gas. That's all you do. You just drive around. <laughs> I still you, do that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, see so if any of your friends are out and you just look for, for, for a fun time. There's nothing else to do. So um, we were cruising on what is called Old Cemetery Road in Hebronville, Texas. And it takes you back to the original old highway, which is actually a, um, a Kalicha Road, right? So it's all like dirt and, and rock road. And it takes you from the old cemetery. And all of a sudden, this light appeared in the sky. And it was like a greenish bluish light, kind of like the light you see in like digital clocks 
like that kind of color. And at first, I thought it was like a searchlight. That's how bright it was. And so I looked, it's literally shining right right on our on, on the van I was driving at the time. And we both like look out the window. And as soon as we do that, it just darts across town like super fast, just like shoots like a shooting star. But it was hovering there for a second, shining on us, and then it just shot all the way across town. And it's funny because we used to drive this road all the time because I loved going by the old cemeteries. And never had I seen any of these lights that everybody used to report like, oh, there's like... There's UFOs out there. There's lights out there. And never had I seen them. And sure enough, with the one person who doesn't believe in anything, he saw it too. And uh, interestingly enough, now he's a big believer. So, <laughs> How do you feel about the recent alien sightings then? Are you like, yeah, this is a thing? I mean, I think now, I since I've experienced something that I could not explain, I just kind of go with it. I don't, I'm not one of those people that's like obsessed with UFOs or aliens or anything like that. I think they're like, you know what? They're there. Let's just move on, you know? <laughs> They're over there. We're over here. Just chill. Keep our distance, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Until the day they decide to just go over, you know, we're, we're fine. Yeah, just remember I was cool, guys, okay? Like, we were cool. I didn't bother you. This is something I've been asking everybody just because I think it's really interesting to hear everybody's perspective. I know TikTok, witch talk is, like, the thing right now. Um and I think it's really interesting. Do you have any like commentary on that? Or like, it's really interesting out there. Yeah. Time do we have? <laughs> um, so I think it's it's like like everything else, it's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because it's going to help people when we're young. It's help us find an outlet. It's going to help us start to to get resources on some of the the, the practices and and. and finding those those teachers right but that's there therein lies the rub it's that there are no teachers and very few of the people that are posting these things are not they don't have the the teachers behind them to to back it up and the issue with that is that um everything becomes fact right this is something i teach in my santa muerte class is that people think if they have a personal connection to santa muerte and santa muerte works with them in a personal way then it must work for everyone but that's not necessarily the case because everybody has their own gifts everybody has their own working ways that they work with mediumship the way that they work even with bujeria for example um eric is really really good at working on maris he has been studying them working with them for a very very long time he's just really really good at them i'm not very good at amaris because i mostly do things like oraciones and working with um you know it just it's not that i'm a bad brujo or a bad witch it's just because i don't work with that energy as, as much with things like like witch talk um and and bruja talk now we're seeing right is that it's a lot of information and and you have to be able to to know how to um weed through some of the bullshit basically there's stuff on there especially that could be very very dangerous um somebody would think that it's correct and then they end up getting hurt or um, something happens, you know, to their job or to their 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 livelihood, right? Um, so you have to be very careful with that type of information. This is why I always push that, you know, teachers are important. And for the longest time, people would say, well, it's really hard for me. I'm in a weird location. I can't find teachers, yada, yada, yada. And that's exactly why I started the academy, you know, to, to have resources for people so they can learn and they can discern the differences between, you know, what is authentic and and what is taught and passed down and what is just kind of made up. 
And I can say, you know, as an author, even somebody who has written two books, I can tell you that not even all the books that are out there are legit. You know, there's a lot of books out there that are not legit. And it's, you know, let's make money or let's push out as many titles as we can, like that kind of deal. Um, and you, you'll notice the, the red flags. You know, the red flags are things like um, when it's very general or um, when you start to see things like, oh, this is a book on Bukharia, but then they start incorporating things from completely different cultures. Like um, now we're going to do this fiery wall of protection spell, you know, but that's hoodoo. Um, we're going to do this uh, Cleome oil. That's also hoodoo. You know, so it's like, that's not Bukharia. Call a thing a thing, you send me. Um, I've even seen people start to use things like um, Espanta Muerto and Abre Camino and uh, the seven seven African powers. And it's like, okay, well, those are all from Cuba and those are all Cuban workings with the Spiritismo, Palamayombe and Santeria and that culture. But if we're talking about Mexican Brujeria, yes, there may have been some influences here and there, but we don't with those things. And that's one of the reasons why I enjoy the classes that we're teaching on the Mike and Academy, because we are, we're trying to show you the more traditional aspects of those things and the separations as well, because we do have Espiritismo classes and Palomayama classes and Kibanda and all these other classes. So you can see the differences in the Latin American cultures and how they're practiced. So how, how do you feel about like um, cultures and practices evolving? Like, is that something that you kind of like you believe in? Like, I'm just curious on what your thoughts are. I think it's important, actually, for cultures to evolve. I, I don't identify as gay. I technically identify as bi, but I'm a gay man, a queer individual. And I practice a tradition that usually is very anti-queer, which is Bala Mayombe. And the reason why that is even possible, our madrina, right, she said, that's not an issue. It has nothing to do with your spirituality. So um, because of her and her influence on her godson, which is my godfather, we were able to get involved in that tradition. If that had not evolved, there would still be this strict, you can't be a practice, you can't practice this, you can't be a part of this. In Mexican Brujeria, for example, there's a lot of evolution. We have people using modern things, right? Modern objects, modern products. For example, in our Blood Brujeria book, we talk about douche powder, which was something that was invented like in the 40s and the 50s, but now there's like many different forms of it and you can buy it at most you know locations and places and it's used for brujeria an ancient aztec spell because there probably wasn't specifically that type of powder back in that time so evolution also brings things to the mix right um here's another good example is that we see things in brujeria uh like i've even seen people using things like pine saw fabuloso um, and for Coranismo or for Brujeria, uh, where they add certain things to it to enhance it. Fabuloso from the, the ancient Mexica, you know, tradition. You're going to see things like where they would take flowers and make waters, spiritual waters out of it and use that to cleanse the home. But in this case, we're using this to mop the home, right? So I think it's really, really important to have a good ground in culture and a good ground in history and understanding those things. Because the issue is... Now we just want to call everything brujeria, right? I'm going to do this leg, egg limpia on you. It's brujeria. It's not brujeria. And I, and I think that the issue is if we're talking like, like me and you, right? We're, you know, comadre, compadre. I'm like, ah, oh, that's brujeria. That's brujeria, right? We're just joking around. But when we're being serious about this subject and, and trying to teach it and trying to approach it from like an intellectual aspect, then we have to say, well, technically, this is hechiceria. This is curanderismo. 
this is folk magic. This is folk healing. This is folk witchcraft because we need to make the discernment. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to go and say, well, I'm just a brujo because I only wear brujeria or I'm just a curandero because I just do curandrismo or so on and so forth. It just means that we have to learn the differences, right? This is why I tell people, like, I just, I'm a practitioner, you know? Um, if I had to, to, to nail it down, I was in Chicero because I practice a lot of folk magic, but I don't necessarily call myself a brujo or a curandero unless I'm saying I'm working these specific paths today or I'm working this specific tradition, you know? Um, plus, you don't necessarily need to have a title. This is this thing that's happening right now because... I think it's a big influence from like the 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 Santeria community and and the Palo communities. Like I'm a Tata and Ganga, I'm a I'm a, I'm a Ifar priestess of Legua, you know. And everybody wants to, to to share their title. Oh well, I'm a brujo, I'm a bruja, I'm this, I'm a master of this. I'm a, you know. But the thing is that that's not necessary. What's necessary is your practice. You know, what's necessary is sitting with your spirit and evolving with your spirit and evolving with your with your witchcraft because that is what's going to help you. Titles don't do anything. You know, I'm I'm a Tata Nganga, I'm a Kimandero, I'm a Pai de Santo, I'm all these things, but that doesn't matter to me. What matters mostly to me is my practice, my spirit, my guides. You know what I mean? I'm not going to use these titles because that's just ego and ego does nothing but horrible things for this tradition. And if you don't believe me, go look at witch talk. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what that is. It's a lot of ego. It's a lot of ego. So I love that you said that because the episode right before yours, we were literally talking about titles and title grabs and all these things and how like it's okay to have them, but sometimes people will use it as like a like a holier than thou kind of thing, which is where the problem kind of comes in because it's like, Yes, you you have these titles and yes, of course, you've earned them. But like, at what point is it because you care about the practice or is it because you want a title? Right. And so I just I love that you said that. Totally relatable. And um, I also really, really, really love that you were talking about like what it's really about. Right. And it's about the spiritual evolution with you, your spirits, your guides. And I think that that has definitely, and I understand social media, social media, was, social media was invented because of ego, like, like, you know, it, it just is what it is, right. And that is going to always be a part of it. But yeah. it's just, I don't know, it's something that we don't hear enough, I feel like. And so it's really refreshing to hear it from someone who is so enmeshed in the community, and who has been putting out information as well. So I think too, whenever people have read your your books, or at least from what I gathered in our book club, um, everything was just so like grounded and like real and practical. And so it's just, it is appreciated, you know? And um, if you guys haven't checked out um, your school, but it is really, really good. Um, I was taking a few classes for a while, unfortunately, like (laughs) I was just not able to keep up. Um, and so I wasn't able to continue it. But even in the classes before, they're always really well well researched, really well cited, and really well um, put together in a way that's digestible, which I think is also really important. So I don't know, I'm just hyping you up right now. I'm sorry. Very good. No, I, I do want to kind of, one thing I want to add, add about the thing that's important about titles is lineage. That's what's important about titles. So if you have people that are saying, well, I'm a Tatanganga, I'm a Santero, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that, 
then it's about ego. But if you have people saying that maybe like I am a Tata Nganga of the um, Inkita Manakita tradition of uh, Havana, Cuba, and that is my connection, then that's good because now you know that this person has a lineage. And not only that, but you can actually go to Cuba and go to the Inkita Manakita there and say, I know this person in America. And they say they're connected to you and they could say, yes, I'm. We, they are connected to us. And it's important. And even in, in Cuba, especially, they're really, really good about this is they all have documentation. You know, we have documentation here in the United States that says that we are connected to that house in Cuba. And why is that important? Because it shows lineage. So anybody can come to you and say, I'm a tata this, I'm a priestess of this, I'm a priest of that. But they don't have lineage, then they don't have anything to back up their title. Yes, I'm a priest of Yamaya, and I can show you that lineage, and that therefore I can guide you in that tradition. And other than that, you know, these other self-title type things, it's mostly, it's community. You know, the community gives you that title. This is why I don't refer to myself as a brujo or a curandero, because it's it's the community that has to say, oh, go see brujo Alexis, or go see the curandero, he'll, he'll guide you. But the, the community should be giving you that title, not you yourself. Now, if you're just talking to your friends and they're like, well, what do you do? What do you what do you practice? And you're like, well, I'm a brujo, essentially, you know, I practice brujeria, then that's fine. But if you're going to go there and like, I am the master brujo and so on and so forth, that's when it becomes an issue. That's why I have issues also with people who refer to themselves as priests or priestesses of Santa Muerte, because it's not a tradition that even has priests or priestesses. And by doing that, you're claiming lineage. She's a folk saint. It's a folk practice, Right. Um, just like there are no priests or priestesses of any other folk saints. They're just folk saints. They're folk practices. There's no priest curandero or there's no priestess bruja or something like that because they're folk practices, right? So I think that's the biggest issue with working with these or having these titles. Yeah, you know, you just, you just have to work in from that perspective. And then going back to your other thing is the Machia Miklan Academy uh, it is, you can just go to the City Alchemist website and we have it at the very bottom under the classes. And um, Makia is M-A-G-I-A, uh, De Miklan, so D-E, and then Miklan is M-I-C-T-L-A-N, which Makia the Miklan basically just means the magic of Miklan, which Miklan is the um, the underworld, the Mexica underworld. Um, and so it's just kind of, um, it's more based in like our, our more spiritual aspect of Mexica, but it does have uh, we have teachers like Jamil Enriquez, who does things like Espiritismo and Paolo, um, as well as working with, you know, darker energies and necromancy. Uh, we have teachers like Alex Bujo, who grew up very much in this tradition and, and worked with a lot of brujos and brujas, including his mother and grandbrujas and, and, and hechiceras and hechiceros. And so he has a very strong connection to this practice and he knows a lot of tradition. So he teaches a lot of our brujeria classes as well. That, that is so exciting, honestly. And now I'm like, I need to get back in it. Um, so I have talked a lot about on my own platform, and I'm just going to reiterate it here, um, that like a lot of what I've been trying to do, right, um, being someone that I feel like has been disenfranchised from tradition, right, over time, is like get back to that, like kind of root, right, or that, that connection. And... Um, I just want to encourage people to like if they are trying to do that as well. And when I say decolonizing, I'm just going to put that out there too. I don't necessarily mean like taking away 
all necessarily Christian influence. I'm talking about the American Americanization aspect, trying to come away from that and kind of get back to like what I would consider the core of my culture, right? To definitely check out their their school and and their books because I feel like that's what they have done is put that core because I definitely believe in balance, right? Um, so like having that stability, that root, that connection, and also being able to branch from that into whatever kind of, you know, kind of works for you in your own practice. So I just um, kind of wanted to reiterate that, right? And, and when you were talking about like lineage and stuff like that, that is something that I agree is really missing um, in a lot of different aspects. So like I said earlier, it is like refreshing to kind of have that in the community as like a base to stand on. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, oh, one thing as you said that I really love that idea of removing every single part of European influence or colonized influence. The issue with that is that if you remove that, you remove like a good chunk of brujeria because a lot of the brujeria in Mexico was influenced by um, the Rosicrucians. It was influenced by the, um, the, uh, the Grimorios, right? The Grimoires. Um, we were influenced by the saints, by the devil, even. You know what I mean? People were like, oh, I want to decolonize the brujeria, but I want to work with the devil. Well, but that is colonization because the devil didn't exist prior to colonization. Um, so it's important to to make those distinctions. I think it's almost like a deculturalization, like you're trying to remove the, the extra kind of um, culture that was pushed onto our culture. Because we just took all those things and ran with it, right? So, like, you brought the devil to us. We're like, oh, cool. We have Tascalipoca. Very similar. We're going to take them, you know? Um, you brought saints. We're like, oh, you petitioned the saint for that? Well, you know what? We did the same thing with this Mexica Teo. So, let's just do let's do that now. We're going to take that saint and run with it. It doesn't mean that we have to be Catholic, that we have to convert and practice Catholicism. It just means that we can take some of these practices and use them for our brujeria and for our curandrismo and for our hechiceria. Um, and then another aspect to that idea of, you know, decolonization is that, you know, one of the things that we think of when we hear the word decolonize is to remove, right? Literally means to remove the, the colonization. But truly, the best way to decolonize is to add the tools of our culture. Right. This is something that Alex said in one of our classes, um, which I really enjoyed. He, he said, you know, your cauldron with a copalero. Replace your clay, you know, jugs, clay glass jar, with a, a, a clay jug from Mexico. Re replace your your offering bowl of steel or metal with a clay bowl. You're reintroducing the tools that our ancestors used, you know. Bring in the mocajere, bring in the 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 metate, and use those to 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 grind up your herbs to to make your plant medicine. You know, as opposed to I'm going to go and buy this super expensive mortar and pestle that's ceramic. So you have to think of it from that perspective. It's not so much removing things as it is reintroducing the objects that come from our culture. I love that so much. It's really validating because that's something that I've been doing. I know that, like I said, I took your courses and, and you guys talk about the matate and all these things. But like just over time, like I already had a mocajete and I had like a million mortar and pestles and they just were not doing the same thing that mocajete was doing. So I just started using that, you know, and so it's super validating for me personally. I'm like, uh, emotional. But I really love that perspective. That is really great. I don't know. I'm just I'm having emotions. 
So last question that I have, everybody has that one story that is just really crazy of something that they've experienced. Do you have one, just something that you witnessed or participated in that was just like, still, you think about it and you're just like, whoa. Um, yeah, I have a few actually, but I, I remember, I mean, I had some pretty amazing experiences working with Blue Hill Rain, just seeing, seeing things like faces showing up in lemons and stuff like that, which is really crazy. But I think the one that but I say a lot in, in, in classes and stuff. The one that, that always comes to mind is because people talk about working with Santa Muerta. I've been working with Santa Muerta for 20 years now. I think officially it's been 20 years. Yeah, 2023, because I started in like 2002, 2003. So it's been 20 years. And she works very, very fast. And that's the thing that people talk about. Like, you know, she's a very fast working saint. So when people say, oh, well, like how fast does she work? I always love to tell this story, which is when one day... Um, I used to work at Half Price Books here in Austin and I was running late and I had actually been late twice. And if you're late the third time, it, you know, becomes an issue. And I've always been a good kid, you know, so I don't like getting in trouble. I don't like getting written up or anything like that. So I was like, I don't want to get written up. And um, I could not find my keys. I was looking everywhere. And I lived at the time in a one studio apartment and I could not find my keys. I looked everywhere. I was looking in the bathroom, kitchen, I could not find them. So I literally went to my altar and I went to Santa Muerte and I was like, Santa Muerte, help me find my keys. I, I can't be late. If I'm late, I'm going to get in trouble. So please like, just let me help me find them. And then they literally fell to my feet, like right in front of me. And I just stood there for a second and I was like, that can't be real. But they literally fell. Like it was as if she like reached out in front of me, dangled the keys and just like dropped them, you know? And the only like possible explanation is that maybe I had put them on the altar, which would have been really weird. And they just shifted in that exact moment. But the fact that they shifted and fell even, you know, it's still very, very strange, but I would not have put them on my altar. I mean, that that would be really, really strange. So yeah, so that is, you know, and, and I actually, um, I, I actually did something like that recently again where I had lost my, I'm asthmatic and I had lost my asthma inhaler and I couldn't find it. And I had also lost, oh, that was just mainly it. It was my inhaler and I couldn't find it. And then I couldn't find my keys. And so I did the same thing where I went to my altar and I was like, I can't find my keys and I need to leave and I cannot find my keys. I don't, you know. And she showed me an image of my, um, my travel, it's a travel bag that we use when we go to and from the, uh, the, the shop in the office. And which is weird because I never put my keys in a bag. I always put them in my pocket. But I said, okay, I'll go take take a look. And sure enough, my keys were in there. And so was my asthma inhaler. So I never put my inhaler in that bag. I would never put my keys in that bag, but there they were. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> she said, here's your keys and here's your inhaler so you can chill out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here's your stuff. Stop losing it. I love that. That, that sounds about <laughs> right. Well, um, is there anything else that you would like to share? Um, please, shameless plug, like all the things. I mean, um, you know, definitely if you're in Austin area, please check out our shop, City Alchemist. We're located on Door Street, um, just uh, three blocks east of the, you know, the famous 6th Street, I should say, the the what we call Dirty Six, um, just three blocks east of that. So um, you could literally come check us out and then go get some drinks down on 6th Street if you want. Um we also have classes of City Alchemist website. We have 
uh, Santa Muerte course, an introductory course, and then we just recently added the six-month course, which is like um, 12 classes, they're about an hour or so long each, and it's the whole series of, of an, an advanced Santa Muerte course, essentially. We have a few other courses on there, like a corn divination course. We have um, working with your ancestors, Dia de los Muertos. We have another class coming up, Brazilian Kimbanda, which is known as the traditional Brazilian black magic. Uh, we have a, a candle magic course coming up as well that Eric's going to be teaching on how to fix candles and how to work with candles from the Latino perspective. Um, we also have um, our Magia de McLean Academy. We teach classes, three classes every month. And then if you sign up for the apprenticeship program, uh, you have access to every one of those classes as well as a secondary follow-up uh, Blactica with the instructor, which, which is where we just kind of talk and ask questions. Um, and that's also, you can join anytime, you can leave anytime. It's one of those where everything is recorded so you can go and watch it anytime you want. I think right now we're probably at like 30 or 40 plus classes that are already available for you to watch. So there's a lot, a lot of content on there. Um, uh, Cause we've been, we've been doing this for about a year. So um, what else? Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. I don't I can think of at the moment, um, but we're always we working on something. Online? We're always doing something. Oh, where can we find you online? Oh yeah. So if you want to find me specifically, uh, you can always go to my Instagram is at journey to make So journey, uh, underscore two underscore two is T O underscore make M I C T L A N. Uh, you can also find that city alchemist. We have a city alchemist Instagram. We have a city alchemist Facebook. Um, you can always email me as well. Uh, info at cityalchemist.com. We're, we're always trying to answer emails as, as quickly as possible. Uh, you can also find the Mahi McLean Academy link on our City Alchemist website if you're interested in doing that. Um, or just call the shop. You know, we're usually there every once in a while. I'd say mostly like early day and then late in the days, usually when we're coming, we're there. Uh, or you can just call the shop and one of our employees will will help us help you out and figure out how to how to get in contact with us. We are also going to be offering more, um, uh, I do readings online, so you can go to uh, City Alchemist and, and book a reading, and then Eric's going to be doing readings too, that's a little um, new tidbit that, that, that we just released. Um, we also have spiritual cleansings every month that we do for the community, uh, they're $40, it's like flat rate fee essentially. And then we're starting to also start uh, individual client work. So individual cleansings, home cleansings, and things like that. All of those are going to be coming up on the website pretty soon. That's exciting. Um, so every time I go to Austin, it's just a fact we're stopping at City Alchemist. We're getting a candle. We're doing something, right? But I have done your corn divination. Uh, I booked that with you online during the pandemic. That was really cool. I really, honestly, I've been wanting to get a cleansing from you guys. So next time... I'll try and like plan it out better to do that because I think that's like the only thing I haven't done with y'all <laughs> at this point. So that's like on my to-do list. But we'll have that too where you can schedule it as well. So that like if you want to schedule it ahead of time and then you know you're coming to Corpus, you can schedule it and then that way you don't have to worry about like, is it gonna be this weekend or not? So thank you. I would appreciate that. <laughs> um well thank you so much for your time, for the work that you do for the community, um, for the information that you put out. Um I know myself and a lot of people that I know have very much benefited and grown from it. So the work that you're doing does reverberate um, throughout, you know, the various little niches in the community. Um, thank you again so much. Thanks for tuning in guys. 
and uh, we'll catch you all next time.